Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're going to continue our relationship goals. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter number 10, and uh, I'm going to read just a few verses to you. Hebrews chapter number 10. I'm in the wrong chapter. (laughs) I'm still in the wrong chapter. Okay. Charlie, I told you chapter 10, chapter 13. Before we get into this, I do want to share with you one more quick video. Y'all got time for one more quick two-minute video? All right. Like one of the conflict resolution tools they teach in marriage is ask questions. When you have a disagreement, don't just start spewing out what you think, make it worse. Ask questions, try to relate, make it better. I used that last week. My wife and I got into a disagreement. It got hot, it got heated. We started a fight. I stopped myself right there, started asking questions. Honey, why are you being a psycho right now? text differently. Like when men text something, it's just a couple of words, da-da-da, send. That's all I had to say. I have nothing left right now. I'm tapped out right now. When I get another thought, I will send that out to you. But right now, just a couple of crickets playing racquetball up there. But women, when women text, what are you doing? Oh, you look like a squirrel holding a nut. You're like, yay. I got a carriage return on your phone. This is my text to her right here. Hello, my darling. How you doing today? Send. And that's when the floodgates open. Now I'm going to read you her response. Good, I'm just so tired. Went to chiropractor. I'm super tight through shoulders and mid-back, so he loosened that up. He said, it sounds like my brain isn't shutting off for some reason. I asked him if it would be from playing electronic games before bed. He said, probably so. He said, try that. Have a sip of wine before bed. If I don't sleep good the next week, come back and try acupuncture. Smiley face. I'm feeling very draggy, but still is Jack and Stacey, so it could be in the air. Have it. Jackson played Xbox before bed, so he could have the same issues. So I text back, okay. <laughs> Actually, it was just K. That's all it was. All right, let's get, let's get into this. Hebrews chapter number 13. I want to read two verses to you, and then we're going to get into this. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. This is why you got to love the King James Bible. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conversation, that means your lifestyle, let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Watch the context. Watch the context in which God is promising his never ending, never leaving, never forsaking love for you. Marriage is honorable in all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Sorry, that word gets me, but whoremongers and adulterers. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want to teach this morning on the subject. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm going to teach to you. I want to teach on the subject, dealing with destructive behavior in marriage. Dealing with destructive behavior. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, me? Destructive? Me? I'm, I'm, I'm a joy to live with. Whenever I do something nice for Lindsay, I always remind her how amazing it must be to get to live with me i'll do a load of laundry and i'll fold it and she'll walk in thank you for doing the laundry i know you don't deserve me this is <laughs> dealing with destructive behavior this is why this is important especially for pentecostals because we have a tendency to want god to deliver us from our issues we want god to deliver us god instead wants us to grow up out of it we would rather him fix it at an altar than us fix it in the privacy of our own heart and mind through growth and discipleship. Can I get an amen from somebody? Usually whenever you start dealing with destructive behavior, this is typical. Whenever you're help, trying to help couples get through destructive behavior, you receive all sorts of justifications. The first justification is normally that you deserved it. I brought it. You deserved it. That's one justification. Another justification, very common is, I did this because you did that. Meaning, if you want to burn the beans, I want to throw the remote control at you. To which I say, if she burns the beans, throw the remote. It's fine. It's just fine. That's a joke. Calm down. We have this justification. We have this justification that says, because whenever you're counseling couples, normally you have two adults trying to defend their wrong behavior. I did this, they did that, so I did this in return, so they did that in return. And it's this hurt cycle, back and forth, back and forth, and you have to interrupt that cycle if you're ever going to move forward, all right? At some point, regardless of what they do, you have to take responsibility for your own behavior. Maybe you got hit, but it's still wrong for you to hit in return. You hearing what I'm saying? That's a very common justification. Well, I did this because they did that. And if they would not do that, I would not do this. And at what point does somebody become the adult and say, I'm not going to get sucked down into this pit of foolishness and pain. I'm going to get above the fray and I'm going to lead the relationship out of this place of pain into a place of peace. Very common justification. Another common justification is whenever there's destructive behavior is they try to teach you, well, you're just being too sensitive. Sure, I cussed you out, but you're just being too sensitive. Or they tell you, well, this is just normal. You have the wrong expectations. You want me to treat you in a certain way, but I'm treating you this way. That's because you have the wrong expectations. And this is the one that is the most common. When people have destructive behavior, when they're demonstrating destructive behavior, this is their tendency. This is what they revert to. Well, this is just who I am. This is what they're trying to tell you. When we were dating, I lied to you. And this is who I really am. And if you're ever going to get that destructive behavior dealt with, you have to stop that cycle and say, I've got to be the grown-up. I've got to be the hero in the relationship that's going to lead us out of this. Destructive behavior. I'll get real, I'll get real quick through this first part, and then we'll get into it a little bit deeper. Destructive behavior is always birthed out of, it's birthed out of a couple of things. Number one, usually destructive behavior is birthed out of ignorance. 
They simply don't know. A teachable spirit precedes success in every area of your life. And an unteachable spirit precedes failure in every area of your life. Ignorant, you know it's ignorance when knowledge can cure it. You know it's attitude when knowledge can't fix it. So ignorance is usually one of the basis of destructive behaviors. Another one is this, past hurts, be it parental hurts, be it past romantic hurts, be it life hurts. We tend to react out of everything that we've been through. I've told you this before. When me and my wife got married, I told her, I said, look, when me and you get married, I'm not marrying your family. You're not marrying my family. I'm marrying you. You're marrying me. That sounded right. That was stupid. Because when you marry somebody, you marry everything they've been through. And if you don't properly deal with those past hurts, it hinders intimacy. I'm not just talking about sex, by the way. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Physical intimacy is just one aspect of intimacy. It also hinders mental, emotional, and spiritual intimacy when we let those past hurts go undealt with. You hearing what I'm saying? And so the first thing you have to learn to do when you are dealing with past hurts is it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. We have to learn to what? Forgive. Now, this is the number one thing you will hear whenever you're dealing with people with past hurts. This is what they'll say. I forgave them, but nothing felt different. I forgave them, but nothing changed. That's because forgiveness is not the only part of the equation. Jesus did not just say, forgive your enemies. He said, love your enemies, pray for them, and bless them. If the, if the mental ascent of, I forgave them for what they did to me, did not change something down on the inside of you, maybe we need to start opening our mouths and blessing them. Doesn't that hurt? Just even think about it. Even if you have to fake it, I I bless them. That's all right. I've prayed for I've prayed for people before that I was mad at, right? That I hated down deep in my bones. Pray for them, not mean a word of it. Thank Lord bless them, and then think, but Lord, if you do bless them, now me and you gonna have a problem. Lord bless them. Blessing them is the medicine for past hurt. Because forgiveness is mental, but when you begin to bless and it begins to come up out of you, it gets out of your head down into your spirit. You hearing what I'm saying? Third reason that we have destructive behavior. I'm flying through this part so I can get to the other part. Third reason we have destructive behavior. Negative and wrong friendships. Listen to me well. If I know anything, I know this. I know divorce runs in groups. I cannot tell, I could not create a list long enough for you to demonstrate the people that I have met and known whose marriages were fine. They had a friend who decided they didn't want to be married anymore. They hated their husband. They hated the married life. They wanted to be free and single again. And so they cut off their husband. They detonate their marriage. And in two months' time, this person whose marriage was great and wonderful and solid, they start connecting with him and associating with him. And then they come to me saying, I'm thinking about ending my marriage. Do you know how that happened? Because you got around the wrong group of people speaking the wrong things into your life. You have to surround yourself with people that's going to tell you it might be tough. Marriage is not always 
always fun. You're not always going to be happy. You're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to grow. You're going to have to crucify yourself. But you made a covenant before God and you've got to stay in the fight no matter what. You hearing what I'm saying? If you have a friend that tells you it's fine, just jump out of the marriage and you can find you can trade them in for a newer model later on down the road. They are not your friend. They are not saying the words that God would say to you. you, Y'all know the story about me and Lindsay and our situation. One of the things that was most powerful in my life was when I had leaders in my life saying, I know you are hurting. I know you are disappointed. I know you are confused. I know you're being lied upon and you're being maligned. But whatever you do, don't give up on your covenant just yet. We make this too easy. I'm unhappy, so I'm out. He hurt my feelings, so I'm out. She don't do the laundry well, so I'm out. Why don't you do the laundry? Take you 10 minutes. And all the women said, amen. (laughs) Because we lie to each other about marriage. We'll tell each other. I've been happily married for 50 years. You've not been happily anything for 50 years. Right? And if you don't have the right people around you, I have seen, listen, I have seen friendships, wrong friendships, kill as many marriages as I have adultery or abuse. Because they look out at their friends who detonated their marriage and broken their covenant and they look to be living the dream. And you got kids and kids throwing up in the middle of the night and changing diapers and the money's tight and you're stressed out and that looks like the life. And you need somebody around you to say, don't you even look in that direction. Because that's not reality. That's fantasy. And that bubble will burst before long. But you made a covenant before God. And you're a man of God. And you're a woman of God. And you're not going to compromise it for anybody. Third, the fourth, the fourth basis for destructive behavior. Y'all ready for this one? You're not ready for this one. I'll give it to you. Defensiveness. I know you're not defensive. I know it's, I get it. Defensiveness is when you will not allow your spouse the space to process problems. Defensiveness is when you refuse to validate their concerns. Defensiveness means you refuse to entertain the idea that you might be part of the problem. And de- <laughs> and defensiveness also communicates that you're insecure and emotionally weak. Because in marriage, in every marriage, you have to create space for them to complain. Not criticize, not attack, but complain. Me and Lindsay have a rule. When it starts getting, when it starts, when, when you feel the heat turn up, you know what I mean when I say the heat? I ain't talking about the thermostat. I say, now listen, are we fighting? Because <laughs> I need to get in a whole different mindset. Or you just need to vent. I just need to vent. All right, honey, bring it. I'm, I'm here for it. Let me hear it. 
and then and then and you have to give them space to complain and then make sure they never pay a price for their complaint. You hearing what I'm saying? So defensive the defensiveness is a marriage killer. Now, I'm going to pivot. I want to talk to you about the four primary destructive behaviors in marriage. I know this is different because we're normally preaching and shouting and all that. We're not doing that this morning. Is that all right? Give you four destructive behaviors. Number one, criticism. Write it down. Type it out. Get an app. Whatever you got to do. Criticism. Criticism is separate from complaining. Complaining is I have a problem with this issue, this circumstance, what is going on. Criticism is you are the problem and with everything in my power, I'm going to try to enforce change on you. You hearing what I'm saying? It's interesting. In marriage, our mouths have a disproportionate influence to everything else we do. You can cut the grass and do the laundry and cuss her out and it don't mean anything. Or am I talking to anybody? You can be a great cook and be disrespectful and it doesn't mean anything. Because in marriage, our mouths have disproportionate influence. And so when we have an atmosphere of criticism that is typically birthed out of an unforgiveness and a bitterness and an attempt to strong arm what we want out of our spouse. We have to enforce what we want. And if we don't get what we want, we'll manipulate you. Or we'll override you by the force of our personality. We'll just override you. We'll use intimidation. We'll use tears. We'll use the kids. We'll use whatever we got to do to enforce what our will for you. Hearing what I'm saying? We use criticism as an attempt to punish our spouse for doing something we didn't like. And a lot of times, this is what we don't like to talk about. Whenever we're operating in criticism, it's because we have yielded our minds and our speech to the enemy, who is the accuser. Okay? So how do you fix criticism? You ready? You not ready? How, you ready? First of all, you have to always remember this. You have the space to complain and then you let, have to let the Holy Spirit be the enforcer. You can, I'm a preacher. Everything in my house becomes a sermon. Everything. Turn the lights off. Can I get an amen from somebody? So I'm constantly having to dial it back. I, I, could, preach, I, could, <laughs> I could preach you an illustration on putting, picking clothes up out of the floor. I could preach you a sermon, blow your mind about picking clothes up out of the floor. I use illustrations and statistics and data and this and a Bible story and all of it. So it's an attempt to enforce my will. So if you want to make sure you dial the criticism out of your home, the first thing we have to do is we have to know we make our requests known. And then we trust that the Holy Spirit's going to take that into their heart and do whatever he needs to do with it. But if he don't do it, I can't. 
Because once you try to overpower people, they feel controlled and they feel smothered and they feel attacked and they feel intimidated. And they'll lash out. And then when they lash out, that just makes you all the more angry. So now I've got to dial it up another notch. So then you bring the pain. And then when they don't respond that way, they, they come back at you. And then you got to set it off again. And then it's this hurt, feel, anger. And what, what you arguing about? I didn't like where she parked in the driveway. It, it escalated to this. That's because when you tried to manipulate and intimidate, it didn't work. So that was a challenge to your manhood and your masculinity. So then you got to turn it up and ratchet it up a notch. And we have to make our requests known and then trust the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is he's going to do. That's why he said your speech has to always be seasoned with grace, that it will build up the hearers. If we could just dial down the tone in our homes, it would transform our entire marriage. That's why the Proverbs said that mercy and truth have to be bound around your neck. He said mercy and truth have to be bound around your vocal cords, that when you speak, what's coming out of you is truth, but it's also laden with mercy, and it's also laden with grace, and it's also laden with healing. And no matter what you say to them, this is the message you're communicating I am with you you're the most important thing in my life now would you please come on somebody would you that's not how it rolls in our house is it you get that wild-eyed crazy look and it's on I don't know when it feels on right when it's on oh it's on and I'm not gonna lose you already lost because you lost control of yourself. You lost control of your emotions. And you're communicating, I don't even have enough emotional fortitude to handle myself, much less lead a family. For every, ten, for every one complaint, you need ten affirmations to say, I love you. I'm for you. We're in this together. You're the woman of my dreams. You're the man of my dreams. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. You're the most amazing husband. You're the most amazing wife. I love our life together. I cannot wait to spend the I love the fact that I get to spend the rest of my life with you. Now, would you please throw your dirty clothes in the hamper? There's, listen, there's something about the dirty clothes hamper in men it's repellent I know it's six additional inches but it's been a long day give us some grace can I get an amen from the brothers in the building <laughs> I was at, <laughs> I was at that the other morning I cooked eggs alright scrambled eggs I can make you some scrambled eggs and make you just pass fall out just before I did it Lindsay said you have to butter that skillet because the eggs stick to it I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, I cooked the eggs, right? After it's over, I try to wash it. Now I know what she means. So I just put it in the washing machine, just prayed, anointed with all, God do a work. The next morning, I could, you pull out another skillet, butter that skillet before you cook eggs in it. It's like, do my thing. It's not coming up. Put it back in the washing machine. Pray, seek the Lord, give it to Jesus. She gets home and she's unloading the dishwasher and she's talking. She's in mid-sentence. She's just unloading. She's telling me about this trip. And then this happened and then she just goes dead silent. Mid-sentence, just dead silent. Just, and then, like, huh? What? I told you. She's holding up two of them. <laughs> to butter the skillet. 
I said, there's butter in the eggs. I thought by just osmosis, it'd get on the skillet and fix whatever you were wanting it to fix. She laid it down on the counter. She said, heaven and earth will pass away before I wash these for you. (laughs) It's like that. I was making dinner reservations and ordering flowers and an apology card and chocolate being delivered to that. For every one complaint, why don't you give 10 validations? Right? It would change the entire atmosphere of your home. Number two, you ready for number two? Men, butter the skillet. If you don't get anything else from me. The reason criticism is so deadly is this. You have to take responsibility for, your, for, build, for helping build your spouse's self-esteem. You're not totally responsible for it, but you have to help take responsibility for it. This is why they fell in love with you because of how they made you, because of how you made them feel. And they can fall out of love with you based on how you make them feel. They fell in love with you because of the things that you said to them when you were dating and how you treated them. And they can fall out of love with you for the very same reason. You hearing what I'm saying? Number two. Destructive behavior, control and dominance. Control and dominance. At whatever emotional level you're at, you will marry somebody that's the exact opposite. If you are a forceful, strong personality, you can't marry another forceful, strong personality. Somebody go to prison. You marry people on the opposite end of your spectrum. I have a tendency to be forceful and preachy and come at it. And Lindsay was never like that. Lindsay was always meek and lowly and whatever. And yeah, everything's great. We get married and very carefully that can turn into dominance. Very subtly that can turn into dominance. Where there is, there's a discrepancy of power. And especially with men, because we believe that's what the Bible means when it says, wives, submit to your husbands. That means you are here, and we are here, and that's what Paul said, and that's what Jesus said. So submit. For some reason, as men, because we're so insecure, our masculinity gets wrapped up in that whole verse. Submit to me, glory to God. So we marry these people that are at different emotional levels. Marriage is not meant to be here and here. It's not even meant to be here and here. This is the man, this is the woman. It's not meant to be here and here. Marriage is, I'm not, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. Marriage is this because a man is supposed to be a leader. This is, this is marriage. And for however much there is a discrepancy of power in your marriage, the one that is being dominated has to stand up. They ain't getting no amens. Because if you stand up, it will force the other one down. It is a seesaw. It is a teeter. It will force them down. You have to stand up. You have to make them sit down. Because Team DOS is a 50-50 enterprise. We are co-owners of this whole ship. And I don't get to make any decision without your approval. 
and that doesn't threaten my masculinity or my manhood. And you can say whatever you want to about why I submit to your husbands. This is a 50-50 enterprise. You hearing what I'm saying? Somebody asked me the other day, they said, what do you believe about that verse? Why I submit to your husbands? They asked me on social media. Like an Instagram q and I'm like, we ain't getting into this. They said, because I believe in mutual submission. I believe that you submit to each other. I said, oh, that's fine. That, that term has a lot of baggage. I said, what I prefer is I prefer mutual deference. This is what I would like to do, but I'm going to defer to you. What do you want to do? And then that's what you want to do, but you're going to defer to me. I've taught you this before. Any decision that needs to be made, you got to have two yes votes. If you have a yes and a no, the answer is no. And I even tell Lindsay, if, the, if I say yes and you say no, I take your no as God telling me no. Not as you impeding what I really selfishly want to do. When I got ready, when we got ready to plant the church and I was in prayer and I was, I was seeking God and I felt it strong in my bones. You got to go to Knoxville and plant the church. I was just coming alive with vision. I always prayed at night. It was probably two o'clock in the morning. I was in prayer. I was seeking God. I go wake Lindsay up at two o'clock in the morning. It was a terrible idea. I wake her. We were homeschooling at the time. I wake her up. She's like, what could you possibly want? I said, we're going to go plant a church at Knoxville. She said, that's fine. And rolled over. <laughs> and went back to sleep. That's fine. Had she said no, that's God telling me no. And once you have one yes and one no, then you can't manipulate to try to get another yes. You can't go tell the kids, hey, why don't you go tell daddy that you really, really, really want to do this? Why don't you go tell mama that you really, really want? I've seen it. I've seen it where you use kids as tools to get something out of your spouse. And it is destructive, it is control, and it is dominance, and it is manipulation. We have a 50-50 ownership in this whole joint. And if you say no and I say yes, then the answer is no. Because again, through force and domination and control, we try to overpower with our personality. Come come at you. This was one of our biggest issues when we first got married because I was dominant. This is how it was, and I'm the man of God. Glory to God. And I finally came to a realization where I th- this, this revelation came to me. We will, we will never, we will never make another decision. I don't care how small it appears. We will never make another decision ever unless me and you both weigh in on it. There are times when I've called her about things. Hey, what do you think about this? She said, it's fine, whatever you want. No, I said, no, it's not fine, whatever. I need your verbal affirmation. That we're doing this because if I do it outside of consulting with you, I have violated the integrity of our marriage. And the integrity of our marriage is more important than anything I want to buy or any place I want to go or anything I want to do. I'm not going to violate the integrity of our covenant and our unity for anything. That's how you fix dominance. You have to come to a place where you say, I'm not the sole power broker in this relationship. Because dominance will devastate a marriage. It'll consume it. It'll break. It'll break the one being dominated. I have seen dominance get so out of control in marriage, the other person can barely speak without consulting their spouse. I've, went, I've had counseling sessions with people, and they'll walk in, and I, I already know. The dominant person has already coached them. 
you better not say this and you better not. How are we going to move forward? You can't change what you won't acknowledge. How are we going to move forward? So dominant that you are completely close off to any input or advice or counsel that could help heal this and put it back together. It's destructive. I got two more. Let me give you one more. I'll give you one more. And let me say this too about dominance. Never make your spouse pay a price for disagreeing. Never make them pay a price for disagreeing. They have a vote. They have a voice. And it counts every bit as much as yours. And it's every bit as important as yours. Well, they don't know. I was researching it on the internet and they won't even look at the... Shut up. I read all these articles on Wikipedia, so I'm an expert on this topic. I know you are, honey. But if they said no, that's the answer and you don't make them pay a price for it. Amen. Let me give you one more. Destructive behavior. Emotional abandonment. When you close yourself off emotionally. When you throw up the stone wall because they made you mad. They didn't give you your way. Because now you are hurt. And you are disappointed and you are upset. And so now you're just going to shut down. Honey, what's the matter? Nothing. Yeah, we can all tell everything's great. Never been better. Because your heart's turned away. You've closed it off. Paul even said in Hebrews, he said this. He said, your marriage can be destroyed through covetousness. That's what he means. Your marriage can be destroyed through not being content with your own spouse and desiring another. And then he uses this language. Marriage is honorable and all the bed undefiled, but be content because God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. This is what he's saying. You be content with who you've entered into covenant with and don't look for another. God said this because I have to do that to you. You think I couldn't find it? You think you're that sharp? And so when we stonewall, when we refuse to interact and we're not going to try to get better, now we are unteachable and we're not trying to grow and we're not trying to increase and we're not trying to move this thing forward and there's a stonewall up and I've not had it. I've just, I've just had it. I'm disappointed. I've hurt. I've had it. That'll just silently destroy your marriage. I don't know what I'm talking about. Everybody in here, you've done it at some point. Just so mad, just shut off. Just shut off. Build the wall of Jericho around you. You call it a boundary. It's not a boundary. It's a wall. Boundaries and walls are two different things. You hearing what I'm saying? Build a wall around you. Now I'm stonewalling you. Now nothing can come in and nothing can go out. And over time, that emotional abandonment will create such a distance between you. That it becomes almost impossible to heal. So whenever you are hurt, 
Gentry, come on up. Whenever you are hurt, whenever you are disappointed, whenever you've been let down, whenever you, they've said something that didn't that you didn't like or that hurt you, but whenever whenever they do this and this and this and that, and then you got your list of all of the rules and all of the stuff and all of the things that they did that offended you and hurt you, this and that and the other, and you start closing your heart off and you start turning away. This is what God said. The answer for that is you have to turn yourself back into the marriage and say, I know this is hurtful and painful, but I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. God said, if I can do that to you, you can do that to the covenant that you entered into. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. This isn't fun right now. We've got some growing to do. We've got some changing to do. We've got some repenting and forgiveness to do. But the relationship is never on the table. It's never on the table. Either we work this out or we're going to be two very old, very unhappy people. But we in this together. And I'm content with you. That's why you have to de- that's why you have to deal when something is when something is said to you or when something is inflicted upon you or when something is done to you makes you angry, you have to deal with that anger. Usually in couples, usually in couples you have two different kinds of people. When something comes up, you've got the person that wants to deal with it right now. Ain't nobody going anywhere. I know, the, I know the kitchen's on fire, but ain't nobody putting nothing out till this gets done. Right. I know I'm about to miss a flight to vacation, but we just going to miss the flight because I ain't getting on the flight and everything be weird. And then you got other people that need space, right? And sometimes they mean, when they say space, they mean like three years to process. <laughs> there is a middle ground. You don't always have to deal with it right now. But you don't get to celebrate another decade of marriage and still not have dealt with it. So this is what this is what Paul said. He said, this is how you deal with it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's, today's anger is not a problem. It's when today's anger becomes tomorrow's anger that it becomes a problem. This is what he said. Listen to what he said. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Very next verse. Neither give a place to the devil. Neither give a place to the accuser. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath and give no place to the accuser. You've got to read it in context. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath and don't give a place to the accuser. He's saying this. When you go to bed with anger still burning in your bones, you open a foothold for the accuser to come and accuse your spouse to you. And so what was a disagreement the night before, now they have an evil motive. What was a disagreement the night before, now they're an evil person because you let the accuser get in. Because you prefer to emotionally abandon the situation and stonewall and I'm not going to deal with it and it is destructive. You hear what I'm saying? Stand up on your feet. If you're married in here, just grab the hand of your spouse if you're standing beside them. If your spouse isn't here, hug yourself. If you're single, just trust the Lord. Just give him a praise. If you're single, just reach out there by faith. Just, I love you, boo. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
for every marriage and every home represented in this room. Thank you for the love and the joy and the peace and the companionship and the intimacy that comes with the one that you sent into our life to be our spouse. We thank you for it. God, I thank you for Lindsay Dawes. I thank you that she's the woman you sent into my life for us to be in covenant with, to grow old together, to play with our great grandkids together and give them money and candy and all sorts of foolish stuff, Lord. I thank you. We honor you. Now, Father, all the pain, the hurt, the anger that's been undealt with, we make a declaration today. We forgive. We pardon. We bring their account back to zero. There are no more charges leveled against them. There's no more charges we can level against them. It is zero. It is clear. The slate is clean. Not only do we forgive our our spouses and those that have hurt us, we bless them. We love them. Father, take the destructive behavior out of our life. Highlight every area of our life where we have been destructive, where we have been less than the wife or the husband that you've called us to be. Highlight every area of our life, God. We repent of it and we want to grow from it. We want to grow out of it. We want to be bigger than that. That's not who we are. We want to be better than that. Regardless of what they do to us, we will only respond in a a godly, righteous, pure way. And we give you the praise for it. Come on, lift those hands up to it. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And the church said, no, the church said, amen. Hope Unlimited, we love you so much. Listen, listen, listen very closely. Don't forget about small group signups next week. We will see you back here next week, 9.30, 11.15. God bless you. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.